I have uh, been teaching on a series, and uh, I call this series The Spirit of Truth. For those that are new or you're watching online, I, I teach in series because I just can't say everything every Sunday. Uh, we're not Africa. In Africa, you can teach for hours. Or India, I could teach for hours. Here, I got about 40 minutes or less, so we got to make it happen. Is that all right? So we teach in series, so I just unhook and keep going. Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in our life. And, you know, if we want to overcome today, how many know it's, it's how you align yourself with the Holy Spirit can determine your success or failure in the days to come. Jesus is coming back. We're living in a different um, portal of time, I guess you could say. Um, I, I was praying so, a few weeks ago on a Wednesday morning, and God gave me the word epoch, E-P-O-C-H, which means a dis- definitive period of time. Because we're actually, I know it sounds strange, we're leaving the age where the church has been definitive, the, the age of the church, and we're entering into an age of divine judgment. Now, that's what the, now that sounds weird, right? But that's what the second coming of Christ is all about. Jesus is coming back to put his enemies where they belong, and that's under his feet. Because this planet's been uh, taken over by his arch enemy, Satan, and principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in high places. And you know, he's already whipped them in, in his resurrection. He defeated them on the cross, yes? And uh, so he's just going to come and demonstrate their defeat. So anybody that's in league with them will get their same judgment. Satan and all of his emissaries uh, and all those that follow in league with him, including the Antichrist, the false prophet, and everybody who knows and believes a lie and follows a lie, they will find themselves right with him one day in this big old lake. It's not a pristine blue lake. It's a lake of fire. So that's what's coming up. I know that's a lot in a little bit of time, but that's the truth. So in between time, you know, we got some real challenges. The earth is changing. The world is changing. Uh, standards are changing. And the enemy thinks that he's got a toehold on what will be. He just doesn't realize that his doom is absolutely sure. How many know Jesus said, Matthew twenty four thirty five, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So everything he said is going to happen. And uh, so let's just read. I want to go to the book of Acts. Turn to Acts 1. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started talking about an experience I received just before, three weeks before my 18th birthday called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The word baptizo is a Greek word that was transliterated into English as baptism. Baptizo means immerse. To immerse in. That's all it means. It doesn't mean water. You could be baptized. You know, if you had, you know, somebody tried to, uh, church history says that uh, the apostle John, uh, they tried to kill him and they had a boiling vat of oil and they dropped his body in it. So you could say he was baptized in boiling oil and it didn't kill him. The power of God saved him. That's what church history says. So, you know, that's, that was, he got a baptism in something he didn't want, right? Uh, then baptism in water is to be baptized in physical water. But then the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it is an immersion in to a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. Well, he's, where he's not only in you, but he surrounds your life. So I've often illustrated with my little uh, bottle of blue water here. Um, and it's full of water on the inside. But if I had a tub and I put this in a tub of water, the relationship of this bottle to water changes. Not only in it, it's around it. And your relationship with the Holy Spirit changes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not just in you, but he encompasses your life. It's just an uncanny thing almost because for me, September 13th, 1976 was the day after the evening that I received this experience and everything was different. My thoughts, I couldn't get Jesus out of my thoughts. I said, what is this? What is this experience I received? Why? Why? Why is God so emphasized? It was an amazing life. I used to have to, you know, think about, well, I need to, I need to, uh, you know, apply the, the Bible to this and the Bible to this and this. And it's not that way with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It comes, I don't want to say automatically, but if you'll walk with God, it's real strong. And there's a boldness that comes. For me, I was an introvert. It turned me into an extrovert. And I love people before I'd run for people. Now I run to them. It's just a crazy thing. So the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we need that today. Friends, going where the world is going now before Jesus comes back, you need this experience. So if you're like me, I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church. I heard nothing about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, although the book of Acts mentions it minimum five times. And, uh, and, and, and then uh, something that goes along with it today. Now, now everybody okay? Uh, can I just talk? Because uh, I, I want to reveal who I am to you. 
So there's something I've been doing for 16,474 days. I know I counted it. I'm obsessive compulsive. I'm not, uh, I, I don't have the disorder, however, but, you know, and I don't count my steps. And I don't count the stuff on the, uh, no. But I did count them on purpose because every day since September 12, 1976, I have prayed with other tongues or prayed in the spirit in another language. Now, that may shock you. And if you're, if you're new here and you've not heard this, don't go anywhere. Just let me talk. I'm, I'm not going to push this off. But I want you to hear. Um, you know, I was just thinking while we were worshiping, it kept coming to my mind that, you know, in all of the New Testament, there is an entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. The whole chapter, the whole chapter talks about praying in other tongues. Does it or does it not? And prophecy an interpretation of tongues. And you know, I think it may be the most neglected chapter on Sunday mornings. Did you, have you ever thought about this? It's not a whole chapter in the whole Bible about water baptism and we think that's important. Do we? Uh, you know, through the book of Acts, people were baptized and then you, go, you got, you know, Matthew 28, Mark 16, encourage us to be baptized. Jesus said do it. But there's not a whole chapter. There's not a whole chapter on, uh, on communion. We think that's important, right? Every first Wednesday we have communion, so come on Wednesday night, you'll receive communion with us. There's not a whole chapter. That's part of a chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, start with verse like 22, 23. Uh, but, but there's not a whole chapter, but there's a whole chapter on praying in the Spirit. Nobody will talk about it. How come? Why? So I want to give you some clarity. Is that okay? Now, something I've done for 16,474 days I need to address that because uh, this is a part of my life. I, you know, I don't reveal it. You don't cast, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. So obviously he was calling the religious people of his day swine. That's rough. Uh, what was he saying? Don't, you know, think things that are valuable to you. Just don't reveal it to anybody that won't respect and appreciate what you're saying. So I don't talk a whole lot about this, um, you know, to, to people that don't know me, my neighbors would never know. Um, you know, family members that don't walk in this, I, unless the Lord dealt with me, I probably would say nothing. But for you, see, I'm responsible for you. And if there's something that helps my life and benefits me uh, daily in my spiritual walk with Jesus, I, I think it's only right for me to mention it, right? So, so what, if, what if I never said anything about it, but it's a, a, a something that revolutionized my prayer life and my relationship with Jesus? Should I, should I not say something about that? So everybody, everybody cool? You know, whether you agree with it or not, heard about it or not, hear me out. First, Acts chapter 1, y'all good? Let's just read a little bit. Uh, this is New Living Translation. Uh, in my first book, I told you Theophilus. Theophilus is an unknown character in the New Testament. Book of Luke, book of Acts was written. It was a friend of Luke's. Um, Theophilus was written to him. Uh, Theophilus, the word, name actually means lover of God. It's pretty cool, right? Uh, Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and uh, proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before, and then he mentions what John the Baptist said. Uh, verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16, Luke 3.16, I think both record John saying that Jesus was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They thought he was going to do it and come in the pulp and circumstance of a king, but he came as a baby in the manger. And they didn't realize he was going to wait a while to come back and restore the kingdom of God on earth. Um, and he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set dates and times. Um, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. The Greek word there is dunamis. We get dynamic, dynamite, and dynamo from that word dunamis. Now, you know what dynamite is. It's explosive power. Uh, dynamic is, uh, you know, effervescent <laughs> ability in your, um, 
in something. And then dynamo, that's something that literally creates an electrical charge, right? Electric current. So dynamo, uh, it, it, it creates something. So again, he said, you receive power. And he used that word dunamis to demonstrate what the Holy Spirit would do in the lives of people baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Now, gravity lost hold on Jesus, and he started floating up into the sky, into the clouds. And I, that had to be really strange to see. And uh, it says, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, and these were angels, uh, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. We call that the ascension of Christ. This was from the Mount of Olives. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Woo-hoo! Are y'all ready for Jesus to come back? That's kind of cool. Then Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. It fell the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So now uh, I want to talk about this experience uh, we've talked about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago there's two uh, specific things, three things that happen with this experience you'll notice in your life. Number one, I'm going to use the word supernatural three times. Everybody say supernatural. Super means above. Natural means just your natural way of doing things or being uh, or, or your, your humanness, you could say. So supernatural is something above your humanness. You get that? Supernatural. So I'm going to say a supernatural witness, that is a boldness you haven't experienced before, comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Explained that a few couple of weeks ago. Supernatural, above the ordinary understanding of Scripture, more than just studying, more than just looking up Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic words. A supernatural understanding of the Word, that is the Holy Spirit who authored the Scriptures. Uh, he actually talks to you while you're reading and helps you understand the meaning behind passages. Not just some of it's history, sure it is. Some of it's for another day, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever you're reading. He has an uncanny way of applying it to your right now. That's amazing. Then a supernatural way to pray. That is above the natural way to pray. Now that has um, helped me a whole lot in my life. You know, I was raised again almost 18 years in the Southern Baptist Church and every Sunday we prayed the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, etc. Every Sunday and everybody prayed out loud, you know, we got real reverent quiet when we did it. And, uh, and then I prayed, you know, um, uh, when I went to bed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. And then I, I prayed over my food. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Y'all prayed that? McGuffey reader. So then when I got to church, now here's my little, my little mind. So I'm at church, and, you know, uh, the pastor would call on deacon so-and-so, and the deacons actually ran the church where I was. Deacons are helpers, not, not figures that run the pastor out of church. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I'm joking. If you can't take the joke, forgive me and love me. Nonetheless, uh, so, but they would call on people to pray, and they prayed the same thing every Sunday. And at the time, I was a little boy, you know. Uh, Vietnam was raging. And every Sunday, it come out. I don't care if it's Deacon Joe or Deacon Fred or Deacon Henry or, you know, Deacon David. And Lord, we pray for the boys in Vietnam. I said, we prayed about that last Sunday. And you know, you bless, you know, Lord, bless the, thank you for the birds, the bees, the flowers, the trees, and me. And here, I'm honest. Can I just, can I just be real? So, so my little brain said, you know, we're intelligent people. Well, we say the same thing all the time to God. This is strange. I mean, I don't say the same thing every day. Hello, hello, mom and dad. Hello, mom and dad. And whatever else you say, you know, you just kind of mix it up. What's going on outside? You don't, you know, 
No, no, you don't say the same thing every day. You talk about what's going on now, right? But with God, it's all stilted. It's all strange. Now, when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, that changed. It's like, for the first time in my life, I was able to talk to God, even though I didn't know what I was saying. On the inside, everything I needed to say was said. A spiritual satisfaction. I know I'm kind of making a, a, a sound if you're listening to this on the, um, <laughs> uh, and it's just audio in the future. I, I know that sounds strange, but it's a, I think it's a sound of um, excitement and sometimes exasperation. So handle that, okay? And I love you. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to talk today about this uh, praying in the spirit because it's so misunderstood and so often uh, mistaken for something that's really odd and strange. And, you know, in the Baptist church, the Greek word was uh, glossolalia, or however you want to pronounce that word. It's a big, long word, and, and it means ecstatic utterance. So people get the uninformed idea that this is an emotionally exaggerated experience when nothing could be further from the truth. So people that say that, I, knew, I know absolutely they don't know from experience what they're talking about. They read it in a book, but they never experienced this uh, baptism with the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit. Now there's um, you know, several terms, praying in other tongues. That's uh, King James Version would say other tongues. New King James would say other tongues. Uh, modern translations would say pray in the Spirit, okay, and uh, uh, some people think that praying in the Spirit is just praying with a little more fire, a little more enthusiasm. No, praying in the Spirit is praying by the help of the Holy Spirit. So um, let me talk about this. There's 10 things, and I'll get to three today if I hurry up. Y'all good? So I'm trying to be slow and hurry at the same time. Let's see what happens. So there's three, 10 things I want you to know about this experience, baptism with the Holy Spirit, and the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit. And I want to summarize some things. Um, uh, it is the initial outward sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to say this. Every person in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, when you looked at this last week, if you weren't here, go look at the, listen to the website, video, audio. Uh, Acts 2, Acts 8 in Samaria, Acts 10 in the Gentile's house, Cornelius, and then Acts 19 in Ephesus. Um, which was 20 years after Pentecost, all of those experiences as well as Acts chapter 9 when, when Ananias, who was just a disciple of the Lord and wasn't a leader in the church in any way, uh, was spoken to by the Lord, by Jesus, and, and said, go and find a man named Saul and lay hands on him. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 9. All of those places in the New Testament in the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9 with Saul, who later became Paul. Acts 10, Acts 19. Every single one of those um, passages mentioned that when these people received this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in another language that they didn't learn. The only place that doesn't specifically say that is Acts chapter 8. But there was this uh, magician. He was into, you know... Uh, the dark world, the demonic things, and, and he was watching as people received Jesus as Savior, as Philip ministered to them, and people were healed. Demon spirits were cast out of people. And, uh, and, and then he watched as Peter and John came from Jerusalem in Acts 8, uh, 16, and uh, they laid hands on the newly converted disciples, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Ghost was given. He said, uh, give me this experience. He, was, he said, let me pay for this experience so I can lay hands on people and they get it that way. And they said, your money perish with you, that you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have nothing to do with this matter. Everybody say matter. If you look up the Greek word for matter in verse 21, Acts 8, it's the word logos, word words in this matter of utterance even though it doesn't say in Acts 8 that these people when hands were laid on them they were baptized with the Holy Spirit the inference is definitely there because a man who had nothing to do with it was not even in the same league to receive it saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands the Holy Ghost was given what did he see he saw them praying in the spirit so I said all that to say there's five pla all five places in the book of Acts where people received baptism with the Holy Spirit. They prayed in the Spirit. Then um, some people think that the Apostle Paul took a very dim view uh, 
of praying in the Spirit, but that's not the case at all. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, I wish that you all spake with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets and that the church may receive edification. Now, the uh, Corinthian church, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they were so excited about this experience and this language that came with this experience that they got home and, and the wife's cooking supper and she's praying in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, the husband's outside and, you know, he's picking the peas and, and shelling the corn and, and he's praying in the Spirit. And the kids are out playing, you know, they're playing, you know, riding a horse or, you know, shooting the enemy and they're, and they're praying in the Spirit. And then they get together at supper time and they're praying in the Spirit. And then they come to church and they greet their friends and they don't talk in, they don't talk in Greek. They go, whoop, whoop, and they pray in that language. Just like, I don't know what in the world you said to me. And then, oh, I got my friend Joe over. He's coming to church today. And they said, whoop, whoop, and they prayed in this funny language. And nobody knew what anybody was saying. The pastor got up, said, we're going to have some worship. And they worshiped in this language. And the new people said, you guys are cuckoo. We have no clue what you're doing. And then the pastor got up to give announcements. And he just gave it in the spirit. In that language God gave him. Paul went to the church, he said, these guys, they're going to think you fools. They're going to think you really are full of booze. What in the world are you doing? Don't do this when you come to church. And then the pastor got up to speak, and, and he didn't use their Greek. He was praying in the spirit while he spoke. What if I just prayed in tongues while I spoke? You think I'm crazy. You get up and walk out. And rightly so. And that's what was happening with the Corinthian church. So Paul had to write the whole book, of uh, uh, the chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, to bring some correction. How many understand? And so he said in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 14, Now thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now if he did that, he did it a lot. All right? I mean, you know, he did it after he was eating probably and while he was walking to another city probably and, you know, while he was taking a bath at night probably and, you know, before he went to sleep, when he woke up at night, he probably prayed in the spirit, etc. But he said, I speak in tongues more than you all, verse 19, but in the church meeting, I would rather speak five words, five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Now, people take that one verse and say, uh, Paul took a very dim view of praying in other tongues or praying in the Spirit. That's not what he said. He just said, when you get together with somebody else, don't, don't let them think you're cuckoo. And don't do what they don't understand. You know, have a sane brain and respect another person. Jesus would have said, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, don't, don't do something that people will think you're crazy and don't understand what you're doing. And uh, just to be spiritual, Right? They don't do that. So that's what he was saying. But he said, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. And then some people take this verse, 1 Corinthians um, thir- uh, 12, verse 30, do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 again, first 11 verses, he's talking about the nine spiritual gifts. There are nine of them. Two of them are um, uh, different kinds of tongues. King James says diverse. That's Old English. Different kinds of tongues, and then there's a sister gift, interpretation of tongues, and it go, they go both go together. So uh, what he's not saying is only certain people speak with tongues, because the inference here is, do all have gifts of, of healings, rhetorical questions? What's the obvious answer? No. Uh, do all speak with tongues? What's the obvious answer? No. Uh, do all interpret? What's the obvious answer? No. But But the context is, He's talking about the spiritual gift of different kinds of tongues with its sister gift interpretation. He's not talking about that, that, that gift that comes, that devotional prayer language that comes when a person's baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're sa- they're, they're the, it's the same in where it comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit. But it's different in use and not everybody's used in public assembly or in front of people to give different kinds of tongues and the sister gift interpretation from the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? But everybody should expect to pray in the Spirit. So uh, my point number one, which I didn't make, is it's God's will for every believer to pray in the Spirit. Every Christian. Why did I say that? Because I believe it's it's God's will for every believer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not a gift for a select few. Peter said, Acts 2, 38, it's the gift, the, the promise is unto you. That's that generation. And your children, that's the following generation. And, and to all that are afar off, comma, uh, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call, that's future successive generations, including the 21st century. 
Yes or no? So, so, you know, there are a lot of people that discount this, but if you look at Scripture literally and look at exactly what it's saying, you understand these things. So it's the will of God for every believer. So I could look at whoever's here today and whoever's watching on video, even if you're a cessationist and you don't believe any of this is for today, I could say, you know, it's the will of God for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit because I know what it'll do for you. I know what it's done for me. I was almost 18 when I received this. I'm 63 now, and I could stand, I literally, no kidding, stand here all day long and tell you about experiences in my life that I've had. Number two, uh, the second thing that um, uh, praying in the Spirit does, it helps, now watch this, it helps unseat the control the unrenewed mind it, uh, exerts over your spiritual life. Did you hear what I just said? Uh, all of us wrestle with our spiritual life, right? Some more than others. And, and sometimes it's really hard. I, I've, you know, as a pastor, I've been in ministry 40 years this month, October 25th, and a lot of people just have a hard time connecting spiritually to the Lord because they got so many habits and so many judgments about life and how they ought to be and not ought to be, yada, yada, yada. And then when they read the Bible, it's like, I just can't get this. You know what I'm saying, right? And, and often it's because the mind has, uh, has such control. And then I've noticed if you're extremely intellectual. This is going to go over big. I love education. You know, I could, and I have done this on purpose. I know it sounds funny. I, I could have my doctor of ministry, but I chose not to finish for a reason. Because I didn't want a root of pride in my life. When I go to India, they want to see if I got that doctor in front of my name. And I've been to India a bunch. And you know what? I'd never, if I had it, I wouldn't put it. You know why? It's human pride. You hear me? It's not your degrees, it's not your education that spiritualizes your life. It's your relationship with the Holy Spirit because he sent to reveal Jesus. And too many people let their minds get in the way. Did you hear what I just said? So praying in the Spirit, watch this, helps elevate the spirit you above the mental you. And then, it, watch, it helps unseat the control that your natural mind has over your life, over your spiritual life. It helps unseat it. You get it? So now think about it like this. Our mind is accustomed. Now the physical human brain is, is uh, you know, really, really, really um, uh, intricate. You've got cognitive thoughts that you know about, but you've got underlying thought patterns in your physical brain. And then there, there, there are systems in your brain that regulate your heart rhythm, your respiration, your body temperature, all of the organs of your body. And then there are parts of your physical brain that help you tune in when someone's speaking, even though you hear even though you hear the air coming out of the vent over here or a baby may be crying over here or some noise is over here, you can tune in, right? So your brain is doing stuff for you and, and, and our brains are designed uh, to keep us safe. So you got the uh, fight or flight syndrome going on at all times. So if you see a big old 18-wheeler coming and you're in the middle of the road, that's fly, Right? And your brain's always, and so it's accustomed to protecting you at all times. Or, you know, if somebody's hurt you in the past, everybody with me? If somebody's hurt you in the past, I mean, they knocked the daylights out of you when you were a kid. And you got abused terribly, physically. And, 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 and that happened over and over and over and over again. Um, I'll give you, for instance, this is the 1990s. I was here. And um, I'm not here, but we were in the shopping center. And, uh, and a lady came, and, and, one, and somebody come in the door, she like... What's wrong with her? And you know what happened? It's what the brain does, what the mind does. A person come in and the silhouette wet of their body, their visage, the way they looked, it reminded her of an abuser. I mean, she liked to get in a fetal position right there. Now, why did she do that? Her mind's trying to protect her. You notice when certain people come around, sometimes at certain uh, 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 anyway, it could be anything. Smells, events, circumstances remind your mind and you just kind of like, mm, right? 
See, your mind's accustomed to protecting you. And see, if you're not careful, your mind will protect you from a closer relationship with Jesus. That's different to think about, isn't it? So how can it, because it's, it's accustomed to being in charge. How many understand? Now see, there's nothing wrong with your mind being in charge as long as it agrees with your spiritual nature. But the moment it disagrees, go with your spirit nature. How many get it? So let's go back to the book of Genesis real quickly, an observation about Adam and Eve um, that, that may help us. So Adam and Eve related to God spiritually before they sinned. Because Adam would come down in the garden in the cool of the day and would talk with them and walk with them. And they could literally hear his voice. Isn't that interesting? So it's the, they were humans just like us. Adam may not have had a belly button, but that's okay. It don't matter. He's still human like you, right? And Eve came from Adam's side, right? But they're still human like you and me, right? So how did they hear God the same way you can hear God? The difference is before they sinned, their spiritual nature was, was at the forefront of their life and they were in tune with heaven first. So it's spiritual nature first and everything else subservient to that relationship with God. Does that make sense? So the spiritual realm was the realm they lived in. You get it? Birds love to fly. Fish love to swim. And you created to fellowship with God where he is in the realm of the spirit. But when Adam and Eve sinned, it flipped. Instead of spirit nature being in charge, guess what happened? Mind, emotions, feelings, and human will, and then physical body took charge and said spirit and just put the spirit on the map. Shut up. And then man began to live by reasoning and by emotion, feeling, and those two tag teamed and, and kind of, you know, whipped the will and the will did what they wanted it to do. And then the physical body and its, all of its perverted, overemphasized desires begin to reign. Does that make sense? Now, with, now you get that? See, so, so, so with the new birth, we get a relationship with God again, right? It's reinstated. And listen, now watch. I submit to you with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There can be, if you, if you let it happen, there can be a flip. And instead of your mind, your feelings, your emotions, your will, your physical desires being at the forefront of your life, you can learn to walk with God. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, there comes an ability to put spiritual things first instead of natural things first. Does that make sense? So there's a heightened awareness of the spiritual life with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So, so again, uh, it, uh, praying in the Spirit enables us to talk with God from our spiritual nature and without the aid of our mind. Now, now let, me, let me address this while I'm talking about it, you know, taking, taking the, uh, re- replacing the, the mental part with a more awareness of spiritual things. It, it puts the mind in place, helps, helps unseat the control the unrenewed mind exerts over spiritual life. Now, now, let me talk about this avenue of this. So why in the world? Now, I've thought about this. I've had 40 years to think about it. Well, 45 years. Why in the world would you do something like this, God? Why? Just why? And I've been doing this, you know, all these days I mentioned, but why on earth am I babbling away at something I don't even know what I'm saying? Why? Why did you put speaking in another language with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, 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 let me just, can I come at it from the scriptures? James chapter 3, James says this, what's this? For we all stumble in many things, James 3 verse 2, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man or person, able also to bridle or control the whole body. Whoa, words control you. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you do with your mouth controls your life. James 3 says, "Go." I don't have time to read it this morning, but from the time you're born, the whole circle of life, from the time you're born until the time you hit the dirt grave, your whole life's controlled with words. Just like a horse is moved with a bit in his mouth, you're moved with words. Just like a ship 
is moved with a rudder on the back. Your life is moved with words. So what does the Holy Ghost do? He grabs a hold of the apparatus that rules your life by, by allowing you to speak in a language you never knew that come from him. That makes sense? That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it just makes me want to dance because it's just crazy. And then when I think about that, it reminds me again of 1 Corinthians 1, 26, where the apostle Paul said, for you see your calling, brethren. Not many are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. So maybe one of the reasons that God decided, you know, in the eons of time prior to the creation of Adam, okay, they're going to sin. When they sin, Jesus, you're going to uh, take their place, be raised from the dead. Holy Spirit, uh, day of Pentecost, going to be a Jewish feast day that will be created. Uh, you're going to come down, and then when you do, there's going to be a wind and some fire, and, and then you're going to cause them to babble in something they've never heard before. <laughs> and I'm sure God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit said, mm, okay. They won't like that. The flesh won't like that. Religious people won't like that. People that like to control themselves won't like that. Now, you are in control of you, but you've got to yield to him to do this. And you know what I found? If you can yield to God in one area of life, you can yield to God in something else. My life underwent a tremendous change with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I wanted to walk with God when I was eight years old, but my friends got in the way and my flesh got in the way. And then I let drugs get in the way and all the mess that goes with that. You hear me? But see, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit came the heightened awareness of God. And a lot of those things I struggled with, lying and cheating and all that junk. It's like I can't do that now. I had a potty mouth. I can't do it. He cleaned up my potty mouth first. Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your mouth, he changes you. My thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah 55. Everybody okay? Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for the heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hmm. So then... Uh, Praying in the Spirit unseats the control the natural mind has on human life. It's not that you don't have a mind. I mean, I'm in, you know, you can determine whether I'm intelligent or not. Some people don't think so, and I think that's fine. If they want to think that, I really don't care. <laughs> I will say I'm a, I think I'm a sane person. Maybe some people think I'm not. But I think, I reason, I, make, I, I try to make good choices. And, you know, I let my natural person do what it does. And it's fine until I hear the Holy Spirit saying something. And when he says something, that natural man stops and I listen to what God is saying. How many understand? It's a big deal. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that is just an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. So, so that relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden prior to the fall, God wants us to have that now where you hear his voice and you yield to him. It's an amazing thing. And you know, it comes by degrees, let me say that. Third thing, and I'll just barely get in because I need, everybody okay? Can I tell just a little bit of this one and, and I'll quit. Uh, it, uh, the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit provides a way for you to pray about things you don't know about. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, how many know everything about the future? Would you please raise your hand? Oh, oh, nobody raised their hand. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> because we don't know the future, we can't prognosticate what is to come. We need help. And God knows the future better than we remember the past. Would you agree with that? So, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 has always helped me. New King James Version says, For he who speaks in the tongue, listen to this carefully, and does not speak to men. It's telling you what the experience does. Does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him is in italics. It wasn't in the original language. So no one understands that is, understands what he's saying. However, in the spirit, now King James says he speaks mysteries. Uh, 
New Century Version says this, no one understands them, they're speaking secret things through the Spirit. J.B. Phillips' translation said, only in his spirit is he speaking spiritual secrets. But my favorite by far over the years is the Amplified New Testament, which takes the nuances of meaning from the Greek text and lays them out in a way that a one-word translation can't. And it says this, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but God, for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things. Wow, not obvious to the understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of interesting to me. If there was a way that I could pray and utter secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to my mind, I'd want to do that. Now, the enemy of your soul vehemently resists praying in the Spirit. He hates it because it's a direct connection through the Holy Spirit to God the Father. You know, they say, uh, I don't know what it is now, but there used to be a direct line from the Pentagon to the president's office. It may have all changed now, but in yesteryear, I, I read that several times. And so he had, if he, needed, if he needed the head of the armed forces, pick up the phone, that one. You need to get a hold of God, pray in the Spirit. It's direct conversation with heaven, bypassing the human mind. So when you pray in the spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. So really, here's what happens. It, it comes from your inner person, bypasses the mind, goes straight to God. And your mind's sitting there saying, well, what's he saying? You say, I have no idea. I really don't know. And here's what your mind says. Well, you're wasting your time. Well, is it a waste of time to talk to God? Because he who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men. I ain't talking to you. He says, I speak to God. Is there any value in speaking to God? Is there any value in speaking with other tongues or in, in the spirit? Obviously, the answer is yes. But the mind resists it because it doesn't know, doesn't know what you're saying. And it's accustomed to controlling everything. And the mind can't control this. So if you're having a problem walking with God, it's like, God, I want to do your will, but you know my flesh wants to do this and I yield to my flesh a lot. You get baptized with the Holy Spirit, start praying in the Spirit. If you can yield to the Spirit by talking in this language, you can yield to the Spirit, not do that again, that stuff you didn't want to do. Yes or no? It takes faith to do this. You gotta believe or it just don't work. And if faith will help you in one area, it'll help you in another area. Does that make sense? There's a lot of benefits here, so I got to stop, but I don't want to, doggone it, I don't want to. <laughs> I'll tell you one story. So this is uh, second Tuesday of November, 1993. Now, when I was talking about being led by the Spirit a couple of years ago, I, I mentioned this, but uh, this, I always get up in the morning. Now, this is weird to me. You can't, I don't know what to say about this, but when God speaks to me about a life-changing thing, it's often on Tuesdays. And then I wondered why, and then I found out I was born on a Tuesday. I don't know if there's anything to that. Don't be, now you're going to be looking up what day you were born. You see, I probably shouldn't have said that. Maybe nothing to it, I don't know. I'm just saying on Tuesdays, God often speak to me. So here's a Tuesday, second Tuesday of November in 1993. I need to go look up the, uh, you know, look it up. But anyway, uh, second Tuesday, what the date was. And uh, so, I, see, I get up in the morning, I read, and then I pray, and then, so I usually kneel down. I got a place upstairs, I kneel down and pray, it's a little red chair, and I put a pillar right there, and I pray, so, um, so I've been praying with that chair along, and I love to kneel down to pray, because I just need to humble me, because I'm a tall me, and I don't want any kind of attitude that I can do life without God. So I humble myself, and I often start out, Lord, I humble myself, so I usually pray an hour in the Spirit. Cut to the chase here, pray an hour in the spirit. And then I talk to the Lord in, in English and I pray about all kinds of things every day, just like you. But I do take time to pray in the spirit. And then, um, now here's how this works. So, so, I was, um, so I was praying in the spirit that second Tuesday, 1993. And uh, I was pastoring a church on behalf of a pastor who started the church. He had taken his whole family um, to Latvia, Leopaya, Latvia, one of the Baltic states and started the church. 
He had two children, two girls, and his wife and him. And I was pastoring his church on his behalf. And anyway, it's a long story. I don't have time to tell the whole thing. But I was wondering. See, God knows what you're thinking. And he knows what you're wondering about. So I'm wondering, okay, he's coming back in January 94. He he left January 93. He's coming back January. And I'm going to give his church back to him. It's a big story. I ought to tell it one day. It's a big story. Um, But my mind's thinking, now, now what am I going to do when he gets back? What am I going to do? Because I'm going to give his church back to him. I'm not going to be a hireling and just steal his church from him and then go start another church in town and tell all the people. That, that would be sin. You better be careful with spiritual things. So I was thinking, okay, God, he's, Carl's coming. His name's Carl. What am I going to do? So I'm praying in the spirit. And no kidding. I'm, and, and usually after I do that, I get quiet. And then, you know, I might go brush my teeth, get ready for work, go to work, whatever, you know. So sometime after that, let me tell you how this works. When you pray in the spirit, your spirit's praying. Your mind is not active. And there's a real cool thing about that. When you get your mind quiet enough, you'll hear God talk to you. So inside, I'm praying in the spirit, my spirit talking to God who is a spirit without my mind being involved. Spirit to spirit communion with God. I'm talking about an hour. And, uh, and then, you know, right after that, I heard three words, three words. Already existing church. That's all he needed to say to me because the background of my life was, God, what am I going to do in January 94? The pastor's coming back, already existing. That's all he said. See, God will not mince where he won't say, well, can we talk a little bit? And, you know, I know. no, no, he cuts to the chase and probably speaks in uh, the least words necessary for you to get it because he's got a lot to do. And a lot of people to talk to, right? So he'd been over me, already existing church. And here's what I knew. There is a church in existence. Now, why was that significant? I had um, been on church staff. I'd been in a traveling ministry. And at the time, I was associate pastor of a, of a church in my hometown. But I had, and, and I'd started churches, but I had never taken over a church as senior pastor and, and I'm the dude and the church had been in existence. Well, when I came here, this church had been in existence for 110 years. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow, <laughs> wow, whoa, mm, what's behind all that? Whoa, <laughs> whoa. But when he said already existing church, here's what I came to know. And as I prayed the ensuing weeks, and then 94 came, January, the pastor came. And, and I started a school, Bible school in the church. And then, you know, months went by. As I prayed, here's what that already existing church turned into. There is a church somewhere in the world that has no pastor, and you're the guy that's going to take it over. I went and told the pastor that. What's this? Everybody okay? I went and told the pastor that. And, and when I told him that, it just happened to be Monday, May 16th, 1994 at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I went to, I, he came by my office. I said, I need to talk to you, Carl. He said, I know you've been back since January. And, and uh, I, I just need to tell you something, what the Lord's been saying to me for the last number of months since November of 1993. Somewhere in the world, there's a church that has no pastor and I'm the guy. I'll be the pastor of that church. So I won't be here forever. He said, well, Mitch, this is what I call Mitch. That's how he talks, Mitch. You know, I don't care if you're here two years, 20 years, don't matter to me. I'm, I'm just glad you're here. So whenever God wants you to go, I'm good. But thank you. So he's, he was very gracious and, and, you know, so. But that's the, listen to this. That evening at 6 o'clock at night, there was a meeting with the pastor of this church at that time. And he was dismissed from being pastor. Is that weird? That's the very day that I told the pastor there, there's a church that has no pastor. That's the day this church had no pastor that evening. Isn't that weird? Five months later, I became pastor. I've been here for uh, 27 years now. Isn't that something? So I know that's hurtful, but to people that were here when that happened, I understand when I say that, it hurts hurtful. But it's a true story. Now, why did I tell that to you? Because God knows you, and he knows the future. He knows about your family, your spouse, uh, your children, your church, your health, your money, your relationships, everything. And what if you could talk to God in a way that if you need something, he'll just talk to you. 
Now that is worth more than $50 billion. I'm not kidding. So as one of these financial gurus says, I'll give you $50 billion, walk away from God. Say, keep your stinking, dirty, filthy lucre. It's what the King James calls it. Keep it. I don't need it. Because if I got fellowship with Jesus, if he can tell a fish, swallow a Roman coin. And then Jesus can tell his disciples, throw your hook in the water. And then he has that fish wiggle over to that hook. And his disciples say, we can't pay the taxes. Catch a fish. Look at there. Then you know what? And there's the tax money. Then you know what? He'll meet your need. And he'll help you. So I could give you lots of stories and I've went way over time. Are y'all okay? I think I just really like to go over time. I don't know what it is. It's really crazy. But I'm just telling you, y'all, there's a gold mine here. I don't care what you do for a living. This will help you. You'll be praying in the spirit. Don't mess with that person. Don't work with that. Don't enter into contract there. Don't do that. Don't, have it. don't hire that person. You get what I'm saying? Y'all, it's uncanny. Are you getting in your car? Wait five minutes. <laughs> Crazy. It can keep you from disaster and help you to enter into the will of God. And, and living where we are right now, I don't know anything more important than knowing what God's saying to you personally and being where he called you to be at, at, at the right place at the right time all the time. You hear what I'm saying? Now things are going to get ugly. Real ugly. The truth is he's already prepared me. I already know. I already know that things aren't going to be nice in our future. I could tell you, and I already mentioned a few things to you, but I'm just telling you, if you know God, you're going to be okay. And he keeps saying the same thing to me. Darkness is coming, but you're going to be all right. Don't keep your eyes on the dark. Keep your eyes on the light. Keep your eyes on ministering life to people and you'll be okay. But if all you're thinking about is your personal comfort, you're going to have a hard time in your future. 